You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. You're listening to Smashed from The Ensemblist, the only podcast that shows you Broadway from the inside out. I'm Mo Brady. And I'm Aaron Albano. But don't come to us with your worries and complaints. Save it for the doorman who's a saint among saints. He knows your future because he's seen your past, which is why he might be telling you. Welcome back, listeners, to our tongue-in-cheek recap of what is television's most detailed depiction of the theater industry. And yes, we are talking about Smash, the NBC series that aired from 2012 to 2013. Smash was also an incredible glimpse at the theater community in the early 2010s, as many of the show's writers, actors, and dancers were played by real Broadway performers with real Broadway cred. But we wanted to go back in time to see how the show has weathered. The show famously didn't land with a wide audience, but can rewatching the series help us understand why? Maybe yes. Maybe yes. So let's dive in and talk about season one, episode nine, Hell on Earth. Aaron, give us the stats. Oh my God, we are here. Hell on Earth premiered on April 2nd. It was written by Scott Burkhart and directed by Paul McGuigan. The episode was viewed by 6.03 million viewers, which is again down this time by 0.11 million. Oof. Featured songs? Again, no bombshell music unless you count the snippet of the Arthur Miller medley that Brian Darcy James sang at the piano. But we did get an original song by Shaman and Whitman from Heaven on Earth called The Higher You Get, The Farther You Fall. We also get a Times Square cover of Cheers, Drink to That by Rihanna. And what happens in this episode, Mo? Uh, everyone seems to be moving on after the bombshell workshop. Karen is picking up serving shifts and booking orange juice commercials. Ivy is back in heaven on earth, probably forever, but she is definitely not enjoying it as she rolls her eyes and marks her way through performances and takes prescription pills on the side. Julia's husband, Frank, finds sheet music to a song she wrote about former flame Michael Swift. She admits to an affair with him, but Frank storms out, telling her, sorry doesn't cut it. Frank then confronts Michael, who tells Frank this wasn't the first time they had an affair. Frank leaves him punched and lying on the sidewalk in front of New York Theater Workshop and walks out on Julia and their son, Leo. Poor Frank. Out at a glasshouse tavern type doppelganger, the cast of the Maryland musical laments the production's need to court a star. Jessica leads the charge, stating, Chasing a star is lame. It's a musical. It's a new American musical. Why can't the songs be the star? Ivy takes it one step further, digging at Karen that she walks in with this Midwestern moon face and lands everything. Tom, Julia, and Derek discuss stars to replace Ivy in the role of Marilyn, as well as a title for their musical about her. But unbeknownst to Derek, Eileen is also meeting with potential new directors of the Marilyn musical, where she is spotted by New York Post columnist Michael Riedel. Derek fumes when he reads Riedel's column, but agrees to stay on the project as long as Eileen finds him a star. After taking a mysterious prescription at her dressing room station, Ivy takes the Heaven on Earth stage under the influence, falling center stage and getting yelled at by Norbert Leo Butts to get off the frickin' stage. (laughs) In what is the official jumping of the shark of Smash, Ivy Lynn storms out of the Schubert Theater in costume, wig, and microphone into Times Square. It truly is. 
when Karen, who just happens to be there to drop off Ivy's misplaced sunglasses, follows her out, Ivy lashes at her. Karen then follows Ivy into a liquor store, gives her $20 for a bottle of booze, and drinks it with her in public on their way to Duffy Square. They then sing an impromptu duet accompanied by a busker on an electronic keyboard, a drummer on five-gallon buckets, and two guitarists. One is an electric guitar that is not plugged in. Tom and (laughs) Sam end up at an all-night diner until 5 a.m. on what may or may not be a date, but on the bright side, the episode ends with a new title for the Maryland Music Bombshell. All right. So in this episode, um, we saw a good number of ensemblists because we saw the ensemble of Heaven on Earth. In that number, we saw Angels played by Dylise Croman, Jessica Lee Golden, Nina LaFarga, Angelina Mullins, Sinners played by Savannah Wise, Greg Graham, Rhea Patterson, Ryan Steele, and Alex Wong, and Assistants played by Bernard Dotson, James Monroe Eigelhart, and Boris York. It's a good number. It was a good number. Shaman and when women I know how to write a friggin' musical. They do. Yeah, it was great. I, w- I loved it. I can't decide which performance I liked better when I was watching. Oh, right, because we got to see it twice. Super We got to see it twice. Right? I- Ivy marking and then Ivy going, sabotaging the number. <laughs> Should I say that I liked her marking? No, you do. You don't say the truth. Say the truth. I loved, I loved Jessica Lee Golden's solo in the middle of the number. But correct me if I'm wrong, that sounded like Angie Schwartz's voice. Wait, What? Doesn't that sound like Andy Schwar's voice? I had no idea. And Andy Schwar is credited on IMDb as a showgirl, but then I, I thought maybe that had sort of like a Times Square reference because like those women who are out in Times Square and like bikinis, I thought maybe, but now I don't remember seeing it. Maybe she was just the vocals. The voice? That's weird. That's that's drama. That's that's some... Yeah, it's drama, but, but both Angie and Jessica made money. So good so for fierce. them. I also loved seeing future Tony Award winner James Monroe Eigelhart. James Monroe Eigelhart, yes, who, who yes, at that I did. point was like only known for Memphis, right? Yeah, was, was he doing Memphis, Memphis at the time? Maybe this is like 2012, so or maybe it's between maybe it's between Memphis and Aladdin, like Aladdin workshops. Yeah, I can't decide whether my least favorite performance was Ivy Lynn or my most favorite performance was Ivy Lynn. <laughs> I've been on stage with people who do that though. Who oh, are like marking? You've never been on oh, stage with someone sure. who's like. I thought you meant someone on stage who was <laughs> like high and actively <laughs> ruining the show. No, no. Okay. Oh no. Yeah. No. Marking. Marking is not new to the Broadway stage. Sadly. Well, and especially I'm like Ivy. You've been on Broadway for ten years, and you act this way. You better not get any more jobs ever. <laughs> Because literally the way I just shouted at the screen on first watch and this watch being like, fire her, fire her, burn Ivy to the ground. I want to abandon Albano fact checks because we're going to get oh, thank goodness. locations. What is Glasshouse Tavern? Glasshouse Tavern is a bar. So it's on 47th Street and it's a bar that I would at le- I'll at least say of this Broadway generation's choice to go post show to get a drink to have some food because it's central and everybody knows where it is including people who've been on tour for a year and a half <laughs> yeah and it's definitely become like a very local haunt for 
Broadway old and new. Because I was like, I feel like Glasshouse Tavern was not the place to go in like 2012. Oh, I went there in 2012. Oh, yeah? Was Bourbon Street still a thing? Bourbon Street was a thing. I oh. feel like that was the, the haunt, other than, like, vintage. Oh, gosh. Well, <laughs> see you at vintage. <laughs> see you at vintage. Now, the Orange Juice commercial auditions happen at RIP, the old Telsey company. The old Telsey offices. <laughs> what were the old Telsey offices? The old Telsey offices were on 43rd Street. There were a lot of show posters around the office that... Telsey had cast over the past years and decades. And then like these five rehearsal spaces. Basically. Audition audition rehearsal spaces, for sure. I remember I remember all of us always hating singing there because the walls were paper thin so we could all hear each other all the time whenever we were sitting on those leather ottomans. You could hear other people make choices and you could be like, oh, that's a good choice. I'm going to try to incorporate that. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, Telsey and Company moved um, to 1501 Broadway. And now the space is one of many, 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 many WeWorks. Okay, here's the location. This is, I, I'm not going to ask you a question. I'm just going to go on a diatribe. You ready? Go. Okay. Go, 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 go. I can't wait. I am a geography person. I see the world in a north, south, west, east. Like, if you asked me what direction I'm facing, I can almost always tell you what direction I'm facing. That's just how I orient myself in the world. Like in life or just in like the theater district? In life. Work. Okay. So when I know a location on television and it's like being manipulated, this is wrong. This is but wrong. Like, I'm yes. going to use this like sort of like for as like fun party knowledge. This is the craziest most unrealistic version of Times Square I've ever seen. Go. Let me explain. Okay. They walk out of the Schubert Theater stage door, which is between 44th and 45th Street. Yeah, it's in Schubert Alley. First off, rather than heading west towards all of the bars and away from Times Square, Ivy goes east into Times Square. That's a character choice. <laughs> sure. However, from 44th and 45th Street, she magically travels to the corner of 48th and Broadway. And that's where they have... Her and Karen have the, you're nobody, there are millions of people like you. That is absolutely true. Like right across the street from like the Roxy's or something. She then heads south to a liquor store, which could be anywhere, sure. But the next time we see them in Times Square, they are walking north on Broadway between 45th and 46th Street, heading towards the TKTS booth. Oh my God, this is so good. Oh my goodness. I'm just angry at the location <laughs> scout. Like, cause you could have that fight, you could have that fight anywhere. Let's be real. You could have that fight in Schubert Alley. Should we talk about all the things that are crazy and wrong about Ivy Lynn going into Times Square mid-show? Are we gonna get into this? How long do we have? We have like- The, in the I internet could, is I could, infinite. I could have hours with this entire sequence because we can just start with Dennis being in costume out on the out in Schubert Alley. Right, that's not even chilling. part of the drama. But Dennis is in costume on his in cell costume phone. and Mike just hanging out outside during the show. Was he smoking? Was no, he's not smoking. But I feel like he was checking his phone. You would never check your phone outside of the theater because you would need to be on Wi-Fi. The yeah. the signal is terrible inside Broadway theaters. And so the only way to get a signal is to be connected to Wi-Fi. Yeah, but I guess with your Moto Razor, you got to check, go outside in Schubert Alley. Let's start, and because then he's like, oh, you should go in, just go in and give it to the assistant stage manager who's in the middle of a show. I'm like, hey, how about you take the sunglasses to your assistant stage manager or better yet, go leave them on Ivy's dressing room table. Leave them at 
the stage door. That's what you would do. You would leave them at the stage door. That is what a person would do. I was like, no, just let her go in and watch the show. <laughs> just this stranger who no one knows. Okay, so you would never be allowed in the theater during a performance backstage. No. You would never be allowed on stage. And the no. fact that the only thing that happens is the stage manager sort of like shushes her or is like, be quiet. There's a performance going on right there. Uh-huh. Why? 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 So that Karen can see Ivy doing... Being a mess? I don't know. ASM would be like, who are you? And get out. We're doing a show right now. <laughs> There's Dennis's problem and ASM's problem. Let's get into Ivy. Because <laughs> not only has she had multiple shows where she is checked out and running amok, which I'm like, I'm sure you should have been noted by now about, hey, pull up because you're acting a fool. Like you are collecting a check that... Someone got fired to give you this check. Mm -hmm. And she is just crapping all over this job. Norbert Leo Butts has to break character and yell at her to get off the freaking stage. And then she runs out of the stage door in full costume, in full wig, in full mic. How many dollars do you think Ivy Lynn is wearing out of the theater? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure the wings alone. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. The swing needs your mic. <laughs> like, <laughs> because clearly you're not, you're called out the rest of the show. Okay. The kind of craziest thing is that no one follows her. The second craziest thing is that she goes home and falls asleep in her costume wig and mic. No one found her eventually. Let's say that she had time to sort of lose herself in Times Square singing. Rihanna. At some point, wouldn't you go back and like, I don't know, grab your keys? Grab your stuff? Yeah, no, apparently not. We just left all of our personal belongings at the theater to pick up tomorrow. But somehow we got our phone because we were texting both Sam and Tom. I didn't catch that. That is... Okay. Somewhere along the line, we had our phone in our costume. Yeah, and obviously Tom and Sam know where she is or like that she's safe. Like, wardrobe head can't leave the building until you give them their wings back. Can you please come here? <laughs> Props, wardrobe, and sound can't leave. Could you imagine what that performance report said that night? At that, I'm like, if she's not fired, I quit the business. After that tirade, to get real talk, you know every theater would be like, did you hear what happened at Heaven on Earth today? Mm-hmm. Even before the age of social media, everyone would know. Fucking Bobby is like oh, yeah, Bo- screaming it from the mountaintops. <laughs> he went straight to Barracuda and said, guess what happened? <laughs> okay, so you and I, consummate theater professionals, have major problems with this scene. Yes. But let's, the series moves on. Anything else that we'd like to discuss? Well, I will say the the scene between Karen and Ivy at 48th Street, it was very ripe. I wrote, Karen truth bombs versus Ivy's worldview. First, Karen says, it is your time. You're on Broadway. You're Marilyn Monroe. To which Ivy like talks back and is like, I was Marilyn Monroe for five minutes. And then Karen says, well, I never even got to do her even once. So maybe you should stop complaining about how lousy your life is. I said, yes, <laughs> because you were you just walked back into your Broadway show 
got someone else fired. You also got that credit. Like the thing about Broadway credits is nobody knows whether you were a vacation swing for a week or you did the entire 12 year run. All you yeah. say in your credits is Broadway. The, the world yeah. doesn't know. And so you could mm-hmm. put like workshops. I was like, workshop things. I played, I played Marilyn. Like that's a thing. Yeah. Like that would be uh-huh. on your resume. When Nothing Ivy is good says, enough for Lee Conroy's daughter. Nothing. No. But here's what's interesting. When Ivy then retorts, she says, you were weak. You were naive. You didn't want it enough. You didn't fight hard enough. You didn't put enough on the line. And I'm just like, you went nuts mm-hmm. with all of this. That damage abuse both self-inflicted and the creative team her mother all of these things she almost uses as a badge of honor to hold over karen like she's like you've not gone through all of this i deserve this more than you because i've gone through more and i'm just like whoa karen gives her the ultimate truth bomb though i could have slept with him i could have slept with him too but not because he didn't ask or something like that it was heavy and you watch god bless megan hilty i hate her character but i love her dearly like you watch her go through it when she realizes wouldn't you though wouldn't you that felt like a great argument can you imagine that 15 minutes later she would have given her 20 dollars for booze in a liquor store and then they'd be singing a rihanna song in times like that's like like just let it go like like let ivy storm off and then you go karen should have bounced like after she said all of those offensive things especially ivy's retort after ivy's retort to karen's ultimate truth bomb is she's like please my mother has said worse things to me Ivy's gonna have like all of the shit storm. Like Bobby's gonna tell everyone in two seconds. Like you don't need to like follow her and make sure she's okay. That's the craziest thing. All right. Special thanks to Aaron Albano for joining us for this mini series. You are welcome, Mo. <laughs> Meanwhile, to stay part of our ongoing smash analysis, be sure to watch the next episode, Understudy, before the next recap. You can find all episodes of Smash either on the NBC app or at NBC.com. Or, if you are or are going to be traveling abroad like me soon, feel free to buy a first season Smash DVD on Amazon. Seven dollars, folks. And the residuals go back to you, Aaron. That's the best part. <laughs> I'm I'm nervous on when we actually get to that episode. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We are going to read you so bad. <laughs> well, well you, you'll get your comeuppance on second season. So The Ensemblist was produced today by me, Mo Brady. You can help others find out about The Ensemblist by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also download episodes wherever you get your podcasts or at broadwaypodcastnetwork.com. Follow The Ensemblist on Instagram to see the latest posts from our website, where we share the stories of talented artists working in Broadway ensembles. Thanks for listening, guys. Until next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now 
and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.